Wonderful. Well, apologies for breaking into the chatter. It's always good to see getting connections. Great to see you this morning and a chance to fellowship together, connect a little bit, having teas and coffees at the end of the service. So, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you good at thinking on your feet? I'm not going to put you on the spot, but are you good at being put on the spot? Or you're a person, when you put on the spot, regrets what you say for the next few weeks, so you just remember how you kind of duffed up that particular situation. Uh, I remember um, not long after leaving school, going to get my uh, haircut, and uh, I still need to do that, I still need to do that. And, but I did have a lot more, there was more of a challenge back then um, for somebody to do it. But um, I remember um, sitting there and, and the guy cutting my hair, I realised was somebody who I was at school with. And he said to me, he said, what do, what do you do now? So I explained I was an estimator, trainee estimator of builders merchants. And without thinking, I just said, and what are you doing now? <laughs> and there was this kind of glazed look in the mirror that I still remember. He probably still remembers. He probably still remembers. Now, some things that you shouldn't ask people. Okay. You shouldn't ask people, how do I look in this? You shouldn't ask people, why do you look so tired? You shouldn't ask people, apparently, how are you doing? Oh, dear, that's a problem in a church, isn't it? You shouldn't ask people, how is the job search going? You shouldn't ask people, apparently, why are you so dressed up? I've never been asked that. (laughs) And you shouldn't ask people, are you sure you're going to eat that? (laughs) Don't know where that's going. So this morning we're going to look at, uh, read of God putting Ezekiel, one of his prophets, on the spot. And it's Ezekiel they're going to look at. And, and God brings him this direct question. And we're going to look at it from Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 to 3. And uh, it will come up on the screen. So Ezekiel 37, 1 to 3. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley He was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? So this was a direct question in a vision that Ezekiel's having, and the Lord asked him this question, Son of man, can these bones live? live. And I'm sure Ezekiel wanted to say, pass, Lord. I want to pass on this one, or ask somebody else. Now, I was reading this week as to, if you're put on the spot, if you're at a meeting at work, and somebody kind of asks you a question that you feel uncomfortable with, and it just advises on some practical responses that you prepare yourself for. So, if somebody asks you a difficult question, one of the responses, please say something more about what you're asking. Or you can say, I do not have that information. Or you can say, I will get back to you by one o'clock this afternoon. 
Now, Ezekiel, I can't imagine responding to the Lord in this way. Can these bones live? He didn't say, please say a bit more what you're asking, Lord. He didn't say, I do not have that information. And he didn't say to the Lord, I will get back to you by one o'clock this afternoon. I love Ezekiel's response. Because in the next verse he said, I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. What a great response that is, isn't it? You alone know. And the Lord did know. Now this question was concerning um, God's people at that time, about 600, 700 BC. And they were not in a good condition. And the nation of Israel is a very important time for them. We know it's an important time for them because God sent all these major prophets. Now, a major prophet, he's not somebody that's big. He's not somebody that's more educated. He's just they speak longer. So you have people like Ezekiel, Isaiah, uh, Daniel, Jeremiah, and often would speak during this particular period when Israel was really struggling. So around this time, there's a period of captivity in Babylon where that lasted for 70 years. We know because of what God said through the minor prophets that they were incredibly complacent in their faith, in their actions, and in their idolatry. So for us, we don't think in terms so much about idolatry that we go and bow down to something. But as we've said before, somebody said this, an idol is taking something good and making it the ultimate thing. So anything can become an idol if something becomes more important than God himself. But they were into idol worship. They were incredibly, they're in captivity. They're incredibly complacent. They're a divided nation as well. So 10 of the tribes went off one way. Two of the tribes went off the other way as well. So it seemed impossible in their present condition that they were going to flourish in God's people. They were lifeless. They were dispersed. They were divided. They were aimless. And the vision that Ezekiel had is that they were like a valley of dry bones. So within this mess, Ezekiel starts to speak. God says, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So Ezekiel starts to prophesy the word of the Lord. And it's interesting, if you look... Uh, at the beginning of chapter 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, Ezekiel starts off by saying, and the word of the Lord came to me. The word of the Lord came to me. So the first thing that these dry bones needed was to hear the word of the Lord. Now on the day of Pentecost as we celebrate today, Peter reiterates in his first sermon first ever sermon, how God likes to speak to his people. God loves to open the way for his people, God's people, to hear his voice. So when the Holy Spirit is poured out and they they rush out and they're speaking in tongues, and Peter, doesn't he, he he jumps very quickly to the book of Joel and the prophecy in Joel, where it says, in the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So God's word was not going to be refined to these major 
prophet, he says God was going to speak, doesn't he, to men and women, young and old, even servants, not those that are specially anointed, I will pour out my spirit on all people, on all flesh. Therefore, as God speaks to these major prophets, Peter is indicating how much more with the Holy Spirit can we hear something of the voice of God or a sense of what God is saying to us. Now, he says, doesn't he, that young men will have visions and older men will dream dreams. Well, I'm glad to say I still get the odd vision. So I'm kind of more this way than this way, just so that you know. I'm just trying to encourage myself. But God will speak to us in many different ways. And that's what he's... he's, So in Pentecost, it's the fulfillment of two promises. One from the Old Testament in Joel, I pour my spirit on all people. And secondly, in the New Testament, when Jesus says, I will send another counsellor, the spirit of truth, that will be with you always. So God will be with us always and can speak into any and every situation. Now, it is important to have understand when God is speaking to us. I uh, think I mentioned before, I remember going to a particular conference, and there was a guy speaking there called Jim Graham. So there's a lot of church leaders. And Jim had this wonderful Scottish accent that would put you to sleep. His content was brilliant, which kept you awake, but his accent was just, there's something about the Scottish accent. And right at the start of this two-day conference, he looks at us all, and he says, let me ask you this question. When did God last speak to you? What did he say? And what have you done about it? And, I, and then he was then when moving on to say something else, and everything within me wanted to say, Jim, stop, stop. Stop there. That is sufficient for me for these next two days. I would be happy just to go away and answer and reflect on those questions. When did God last speak to me? What did he say? And what have I done about it? I would have loved to have spent two days doing that. But he went on to share other things, and he was really, he was really good. You see, God will speak to us about what he wants to speak to us about. We often want God to only speak to us about what we would like him to speak about. But in the Old Testament, he says, doesn't it? My thoughts, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. It's so important to get a sense of God's thoughts. Now, let me just share just a little word of testimony, because back in the 90s, that we I didn't spend all my time at conferences, by the way, but it's going to sound like that by the time I finish this message. But I remember going to, there's a gathering of church leaders in Newcastle, in the northeast. And we had over a guy called Barney Coombs. Now, Barney Coombs heads up the Sultan Life, founded the Sultan Life, Sultan Light churches around the world. You might not have heard of them, but there's many of them. They're great churches, great people. And Barney brought his team of prophetic ministers to this particular conference day for church leaders in Newcastle. At the end of the session, 
they said, who would like to be prayed for? And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll prophesy over them. So we were all keen. We're all madly keen because we wanted this word of encouragement from the Lord. And all of us, do you know, we kind of thought we know what God, we want God to say to us. But because we were leaders, maybe, God knew what he wanted to say <laughs> to us. <clears throat> and I can honestly say, <clears throat> it surprised some of us at the kind of way God took us so seriously. He's so committed to us. And I'm going to read part of the prophecy that from 1996 that God gave. Is that, is that okay? You don't mind? Is that all right? Is that all right? Now, there's two, a few sections to it, but it would be very long, and they transcribed it. <clears throat> so the middle part of the prophecy was this. <clears throat> and the reason I say it is because of all the words that have been given me over the years, and many, there's been many, this is kind of my go-back to, because it was good for me. It was good for me. So this was a guy called Chris, and it's kind of, because it's prophetic, it's not kind of grammatically not perfect. So he says, says the Lord, this is what the Lord says, it is not my desire to order you around on the parade ground or to bark orders to you to shout left and right. This is not my inkling in me that wants to march into your bedroom and command you to shape up your room, make your bread, bed, clean your shoes, That's not what I want to do, says the Lord. Says the Lord, I do not want to be a sergeant major. I do do not want my relationship to be such that you have to be made to do certain things. My desire is that you would capture the vision I have put in your heart and that it would so embrace your life that you will do all in your power to stay the course, uh, to routine yourself in such a way that men and women will look and see the hand of God on your life and the burden that the Lord has placed upon you to be fulfilled in the kingdom of God and that your life has changed by the power of the Holy Spirit because something uh, has gripped you. Says the Lord, your God, are you waiting for me to yell at you and to shout from the housetops? For I will not do it. I will not shout and bark orders to you I will not be forced to be a sergeant major to you, but I will be a father to you, and I will be, you will be my son. And you will bring yourself under the discipline of being a son and responding out of your love for me and your knowledge of my love for you. You will see that this, will, this is wonderful. And as you do this, things will happen. You will see beautiful things happening. You'll see many lives changed. You'll see areas touched by my power of the Spirit through your life. Because something of my spirit, which has come upon you, says, do not wait for a feeding or an anointing that has feelings in it, but respond to my love. Take hold of what I'm saying to you and become what I want you to become. Now, I don't know if you got the gist of that. But I would just thought, you know, I look back and occasionally read it, and I just say, God, I'm so glad you, were, you were so, took me so seriously that you won't always just say things that I want to hear, but the things that, that push me forward into what you have for me. 
Now, I'd hope that what I'm sharing there doesn't scare you thinking, I'm never going to go forward for a prophetic word ever again because God is going to be straight. But God is so committed to our salvation. He's so committed to our freedom. He's so committed to our healing. He's so committed to our restoration. He's so committed to our thriving, our growing, our unity, our purpose, our potential in him. God is open to speaking to his sheep, his children, his servants, his people. And on the day of Pentecost, it says, I open the way. I will speak into your lives. God has got so, such good plans for us. He wants us to understand that still small voice when he's saying something to us and to respond to it. That, that bit about tidying your bedroom, and my bedroom's not that bad actually, but I remember speaking in a church in, in Gateshead and uh, um, sharing this, and when I went back the next time, they'd all told me that they'd made their beds, and their bedrooms were really tidy. I thought, is that what you got from that message? You should tidy, you know, anyway, <laughs> it was funny. They're friends of mine. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord. And sometimes it is good back to go back and Reflect, say, God, you know, what are you saying to me at this, this time? So I prophesied as I commanded, it says in Ezekiel. As, as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. So this is Valley of Dry Bones. This is prophesying. These bones came together bone to bone and formed skeletons. And in this hearing the word of the Lord, this dramatic transformation takes place. They come together, these bones and it reminds me if I jump afresh to the New Testament it reminds me that it is so important that believers in Christ don't separate themselves from each other that we strongly stay connected with other believers so important that we connect well and we're well connected and so if you're new to Encounter Church, there's a lot of opportunities we try and give to encourage people to get to connected. Sunday mornings do a great thing for us, but there's other settings we need to connect with other believers. It is so important. It's never good for us to separate ourselves with, off from other believers and say, well, actually, it's just me and God. Because biblically, that is not quite true. We are the body, the body of Christ. And as we Mentioned at our AGM, Ephesians 4, it says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And on the day of Pentecost, what we're celebrating today, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, it says, doesn't it, at the start of Acts chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost still came, Pentecost came, they were all together. They were all together in one place. And then there's the blowing of a violent wind, and the, the heavens opened and, and God filled the whole place with his presence. But there's 120 in this upper room. As Chris Chesterton says, he says this, The man who lives in a small community lives in a much larger, larger world. It's in community that disciples are made. So the big is great. The really big, like the BCC tonight, is, is great. But there's that interconnections that we need to have if we're going to flourish. Our name is Encounter Church, Encountering Jesus, Raising Disciples, Releasing Missionaries, and that will not happen in isolation of each other. There's different seasons in life, and we encourage people to be connected.
So as I was prophesying, prophesying, there was this rattling sound, and the bones came together, tendons and flesh, tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So these bones had come together, the flesh was on them, but there was still no life. And it's similar to back in creation. If you read uh, Genesis, go back into creation, God created man. And then it says in Genesis 2 verse 7, it says, Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and then man came came alive, a living being. So throughout Scripture, throughout Scripture, there's many occasions, and it increases in intensity as you get into the New Testament and we read of Jesus, of God breathing his life into people. And like I say, as you approach the New Testament, Jesus did it two or three times, and then we have the day of Pentecost of God breathing life. And uh, back in with the Valley of Dry Bones, it talks about this, this strong wind in the New Testament there, Pentecost, talk about this strong wind symbolizing the breath of God bringing life. Now back in the Garden of Eden, there was no differentiation between spiritual and physical um, being spiritually or physically alive. There was no differentiation. That Adam and Eve, they were alive to God as they were alive physically. Since the fall, people are alive physically but dead spiritually. He says that in in Ephesians, doesn't he, chapter 2, that you were dead spiritually until Jesus came along. So we need to be brought alive spiritually and open to the life of God within us. Now, back in 1931, when they built the Empire State Building, how many people have been to the Empire State Building? A few, okay. A few have been to the Empire State Building. They built it in 1931, and it's iconic now, but people were very critical about it being built, thinking it's never going to work. It's not a good thing to do. It's going to be a waste of money, and it was built to house offices for different businesses but back in 1931 nobody wanted to use the building and so those that had built it and the owners were not only losing money they were greatly embarrassed uh, because of the comments that people made before it was built so what they did is that um, they just put all the lights on they had the lights on all day and all night so that it had this appearance of having a bit of life within it because people wouldn't ridicule them for building this building that was totally empty. I don't know if you know that back in 1911, that the Mona Lisa in uh, the Louvre in Paris, how many of you have been to the Louvre in Paris, seen the Mona Lisa? Okay, a few have seen the Mona Lisa. Now, the Mona Lisa was painted by Leonardo da Vinci in 1503. It's now worth a billion dollars. I don't know if you know that. It's worth a billion dollars, and so if you can afford that and want it. But in 1911, on the 21st of August, the Mona Lisa was stolen. I don't know if you knew it had been stolen. It had been stolen. Before it was stolen, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people went to see the Mona Lisa every day. After it had been stolen, hundreds of thousands of people wanted to go and see the gap where it had been stolen from, just to see where the painting was that was no longer there. People can be strange, can't they? 
That's a lot of money to see a space. And people did it. My point is this, and Pentecost says this, God doesn't want us simply to have an appearance of life, and he doesn't want us to run on empty. You see, a lot of people today are not asking whether Christianity is true, like they used to. They, they want to know whether it's real. They want to know whether it impacts people's lives. What is it doing within you? How do you reflect your faith? Over the years, people have argued as to who Mona Lisa is. Who is this lady? Some people think that they know. And people still today, even today, ask, who is the real Jesus? Who is Jesus? What is he really like? What does he really represent? The world will discover who Jesus is through the life of his followers. That's how people will know who Jesus is. Whether this is true, whether it is real. And the Apostle Paul says, doesn't he? He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be full of the Holy Spirit. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Regularly be full of the Holy Spirit. Because that's really the only way that the world is going to know who Jesus is. When it overflows from our lives. I don't know about you, I just love to hear people's testimonies and the different ways that people become Christians. But time and time again, people see Jesus in other people. That is what makes the impression. And somebody once says this, to be full of something is to have a life which observably expresses that quality. So if we're full of Jesus, it's, and we're not perfect, we express that quality, not just the immediate inspiration. So even though we might say we've been filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Holy Spirit and you haven't, we'd love to pray for you. But it's not just that immediate experience, but it's the ongoing fullness of being filled where we, we can express the fullness of who we are following. Can these bones live? The answer was yes, and the answer is yes. Then he said to me, prophesy to this breath, to the breath. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath from the four winds, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life. And there's times when we need to say, God, you know, breathe on me afresh. Fill me afresh. I don't want just to have the reputation of being a good Christian. And sometimes we can even serve in many places, but still minister and live out of dryness and emptiness. And, and God is not having a go at us. He said, come on, let me fill you afresh. Let me do something new within your life. So in verse 10, it says this, last point. So breath entered them and they came to life. They came to life and they stood on their feet, a vast army. So they, you know, the bones came together and they, um, breath entered them, but they didn't just, they didn't just lie around. They get on these feet, a vast army. Now we don't know how big the army was, but it was a big army. We do know in the upper room that there were 120 of them. Kind of God's first army, if you like. And, uh, by the end of the first century, there was half a million of them. 
It's amazing, isn't it? So the, the Roman Empire tried to dampen out Christianity, but Christianity started to outgrow the em- Roman Empire. It's amazing, isn't it? What God can do. That's what God is into, which we shouldn't be surprised, because Jesus says, didn't he, I will build my church. He didn't say, I'll build the Roman Empire. He did say that he'd build his church. And ever since, he has been building his church. And he's looking for his church to be on the front foot. Now, I like a quote from Ed Silvozo, who's uh, involved in the revival God used in Argentina in the uh, early 2000s. And I mention this every day, Pentecost, because I just love it. There's times, you know, when I'll repeat a quote to you and you say, Phil, you said that before. It's because I, I just love the quote and I love speaking it out. And he says, he says, you know, on the day of Pentecost, Christians think that um, it was in the upper room that the church was born. And uh, he says, and I love this, and I don't want to kind of argue theologically, he says, in the upper room, people think that's when the church was born. He says, no, the church was born when it went outside. Something is born when it goes outside, it com- when it comes out. And I thought that's really good because it reminds me that we're on the front foot, aren't we? And he says, they stood to their feet, a vast army. Now, I love uh, something that Gene Darnell said at, uh, again, another conference. I don't spend all my time at conferences. But this particular conference, Gene Darnell was there. She lives in Hawaii, incredibly prophetic lady. Some of you have heard of her. And the person leading the conference stood up and says, welcome to this retreat. Now, she got up on her feet as a point of order, and they had a bit of banter. It was all very friendly. And she says, what do you mean this is a retreat? The body of Christ is never on retreat. We're always advancing. We're always, we, um, army doesn't march backwards. It marched forwards. And they were having this banter. He wasn't too embarrassed. But I thought, that's great, isn't it? And from then on, he didn't say, welcome to our retreat. Because we are marching forward. And I like the quote from William Booth, who heads up the Salvation Army, William Booth. Actually, my mum's maiden name was Booth. There we go. Well, this is a connection. There we go. But he says this. Don't just pray for a move of God. Become a move of God. Become a move of God. Be a move of God. Be on the front foot. And then let me just encourage you, because for some of you, you might think, they, you know, this image of standing in as an army. And I just want to encourage some of you, because you, you might think, well, you know, some people I know that God sends on the front line, they're, they're confident of standing up and speaking and doing this and leading worship. But let me say this, that, you know, we're all on the front line in some respects because we're all, we're all scattered week, during the week. But an army has so many people that support it and encourage it, that serve it, that stand behind them. And the body of Christ, people often serve in such practical ways, you know, by praying, by giving, um, by hospitality, there's so many different ways that we can contribute and play a part and be in the army. And of course, we're an army that, that doesn't bring death, we bring life wherever we go. That's what we're up to. That's what we're about. We bring life wherever we go. We go. So maybe this is a season, and there are different seasons in life as we serve God in different ways according to the season of life. Maybe for you, you're saying, God, what does it mean for me to stand and being part of your army at this moment in time. I can't quite do certain things that I used to do, or those certain things I used to do, I need to get back doing. But for some of you, I think it's a different season. Lord, what do you have for me 
at the moment. I want to be part of your army. Bring in life where your body goes, where your army goes. What do you want me to do? So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Now before I invite the band uh, to come up and we'll pray, this week as I've been praying, I had a, a, a picture which I believe is a little bit of a prophetic picture. And it might relate to some here, individuals, very simple, quite vivid. And it's a picture of a, inside of a factory, it was a food factory. And I don't know if you've seen on TV, you probably have. It's amazing nowadays, isn't it? Whereas people used to fill these kind of cans of food by hand. But now they're just thousands of them, don't they? They just race around on these uh, whatever conveyor belts and they're kind of filled and stuff like that. And in my picture, in the picture was this, is that there's all these cans going around on this conveyor belt that they, they, they were really shiny. There was no label on them. There's no label on them. But the lid was put on before the food went in. And a picture of all these cans going out of the factory onto trucks, empty, with nothing in them. And I don't believe that it's a word that God, in a sense, is being critical of us if it relates to us. But as if God is saying, you don't need to go out empty. You don't need to be empty. I will, I will fill you to go out full of me, fulfilling my purpose and the purpose that you are given. And, and the second part of the, the word is to encourage people. For those that have been Christians for a while, don't put the lid on too quickly. Don't put the lid on too quickly. Because any, any of us, however long that we've been following the Lord, can say, yes, I know what it is to be filled with the Spirit. Yes, I've been praying for the Spirit. And, and at any point, we can, any point in our lives, we can put the lid on. And God doesn't want us to go out half empty either, if that makes sense. And, you know, God wants us that lid. You know, if that's you, then say, God, the lid is off again. <laughs> the lid is off again. I mean, I want you to do something new. I want you to fill me afresh. I want it to be a season of life in you. So I'm going to invite uh, the band to come up and join me if they would. They're going to lead us in a, a song or two. And uh, you've listened well, or look to be listening well. So what, why don't we stand to our feet? We've been... Uh, sitting for quite a while. And we don't just pray for these things because it's Pentecost. After all, we're a Pentecostal church, so we like to pray for each other. But this morning, we'd like to give the opportunity, if you'd like somebody to pray for you, we'd be delighted to do that. This connection, this interconnection with the body of Christ. There's been times when I've been on my own and, you know, daily, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. But there's times when I just know that I need somebody to pray for me because that's a step saying, God, I really, 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 I don't want to be dry. I don't want to be empty. I really want you to fill me. 
And, and God has given the body of Christ that we bless each other as we pray for each other. So this morning, that may be something that is on your heart. And as the band leaders, in a song or two over the next few moments, if you'd like somebody to pray for you, please just come and uh, stand at the front, and there'll be one or two of us here, one or two leaders here, and we'll be delighted to pray for you. If you think it's a new season, you're saying, God, I don't want to go out on empty. Lord, help me to really connect with your body. Lord, I really need a sense of what you're saying. Why don't you take the opportunity for the Lord to bless you this morning? So let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you that real life comes through you. In you we live and move and have our being. Thank you, Lord, that even though we were spiritually dead, you bring us alive within the dimension that is so important for us. And this morning we thank you for each other. We thank you for the work that you've done in our lives. But thank you for the good work that you bring to us. You bring to completion. You do more. And Lord, for those of us this morning that are saying, Lord, yeah, I'm running on empty a little bit today. I don't want to go out empty. I pray that you'd fill me afresh. And for those, Lord, just have this sense that put the lid on a little bit recently and saying, God, Lord, I'm sorry for that. I take the lid off again to receive all that you've got for me. Lord, we thank you that your heart so much is to bless us, not to criticize us, not to have a go, but to bring new life to us. And if you have any doubt, the kind of life that God wants to bring to us, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God only knows how to give good gifts to his children and his people. So as the band leaders this morning, uh, for the next few moments, um, if you'd like to, then we'd be delighted to pray. Just come and stand at the front and we'll pray for you. May God bless you richly.